Are you ready, Danny? Yeah, I'm ready now. Hi, Danny. (laughs) Everybody ready? Welcome to Prep Yourself, a podcast where Danny runs around and Lex is annoyed. (laughs) I'll just be over here drinking. (laughs) It's a good activity for you. It's something for you Mm. you to keep up with. Mm. Mm. Uh, So we're doing a... um, uh, Hero-sode. Yeah, Hero-sode. I was like, what did we call it? Yeah. Hero-sode. So some of you guys <laughs> might remember that uh, we interviewed um, Dan... Halpert. Halpert, like a year and a half ago mm-hmm. or so. It's a really great episode, but not as good as this one's going to be. Oh my gosh. We have... It's like Hero-sode slash Survivor-sode. We have Anne Varghese, right? No. Varghese. Varghese. <laughs> Whoa! We should have gotten that set before this started. (laughs) And this is where our unprofessionalness (laughs) shines through. Hi, Anne. My name is Alexis Holzer, (laughs) and this is Danny Nielsen. It's a tricky show. one. I like Dan I, if you could. Or Diane sometimes. Okay, and a couple of things you should know about this podcast. We can't talk. We say nothing right. I um, use uh, vocabulary incorrectly constantly, All so feel free to let me know if I'm saying a word that is not an actual English word. I was going to um, say, is this all in English? Yes. <laughs> I mean, for the most part. Or if you want to let me know if I'm saying a perfectly good like Danish word, but I think it's in English, you're welcome you to Danish? tell me. I was just saying, she might know a lot of languages. You don't I mean, know. I do. How many languages do you have? I speak French. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All we? Mm-mm. From Cameroon? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we know Anne because Anne is, uh, was in the Peace Corps with our friend Kevin, who is a super fan of the podcast. <laughs> I don't think that he listens Shout anymore. out to Kevin. <laughs> Probably yeah. he doesn't listen because we haven't been making any episodes to listen to. But other than that one snafu, he could have re-listened to all of them, though, yeah. and given us like more compliments uh-huh. and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think Kevin might be a disaster himself. He's brought us Dan and now Anne yeah. as well. He attracts the disaster. <laughs> <laughs> He's cracked the disaster code. He's oh, like, no. <laughs> next. <laughs> he, yeah. At least you guys will be prepared. Yes. Well, we try. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared. If he means singing Disney songs, then yes, yes. we are prepared <laughs> in that way. Yeah. So Anne is on the show because she is a survivor of the 2010 Haiti earthquake. Um, you were trapped for 55 hours. I always want to say 55 days. I'm like, that can't be right. That's not the thing. <laughs> 55 right. hours in a building. So we're going to talk to you about that. You were not there on just having fun. I want to talk a little bit about why you're in Haiti in the first place, and you know, which is the hero part of the hero episode. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you up to? So, um, you know, I did Peace Corps with Kevin, and then I kind of continued on in the global health realm. And so um, I was actually there working with an NGO on um, my area of expertise, which is neglected tropical diseases. Fun. The first time you told me that, I was like, oh, what? (laughs) Lex is like, yeah, well, I ran a contest uh, this year for... uh, (laughs) 
That so, um, as you guys know, Haiti, um, you know, is is a very poor country and has a lot of issues. And one of them is neglected tropical diseases. And so, the organization that I was working with um, was there providing um, annual medication to the population for these diseases. So, for example, the diseases are lymphatic filariasis, which is elephantiasis. So when oh, you see oh, wow. you know pictures of people with those big swollen legs mm-hmm. and arms and balls, um, oh my God. that's what Ooh. that is. It's transmitted by mosquitoes. <laughs> she said balls. <laughs> balls. Um, and the other disease is intestinal worms. <laughs> Another fun one. Okay. That is like, hold on, my horrible, horrible nightmare. That's grounds for like... Goodbye. <laughs> Can't deal with murdering this. other people or yourself? Uh, myself. She. I know this I is can't. a uh, podcast, so you guys can't see Lex, but she took her finger and put it across her throat. Is if that's what that sound effect is? <laughs> that's really a, good a sound effect. That's a throat. But the good <laughs> news is, is those diseases are totally preventable. Yeah. Okay. So the, that's why we were giving through like the clean medicine. water and medication and it's all a those preventative things. medication that you know you give the population once a year. So our NGO was helping the government of Haiti implement that program. So on an annual basis, we would go to more than on an annual basis, we'd go to meet with the partners in Haiti. And that's what we were there for was sort of an annual partners meeting. And so it was us and a bunch of other partners from the U.S. and different places. And then the Haitian um, like Ministry of Health and and partners that we had there. So when you say uh, other people, so this is like a crowd of international people who also deal, so not just the U.S., but other people who are coming in to help um, for this project, it was mainly U.S. supported. And Haitian. Um, nice. Yeah, and Haitians. So we were actually um, in a hotel, the Hotel Montana, which is pretty much in Port-au-Prince known as like the best hotel. It's where a lot of expats usually stay. We weren't actually staying there, but we were there for the meeting. So we had like been at the meeting all day. And then um, we actually had some other colleagues that were joining us for dinner. So even though we weren't staying at that hotel, we had kind of like broken. And then we were, when the... Um, earthquake struck, we were actually walking across the lobby on our way to dinner. So there was a group of us. It can happen any <laughs> moment. Anywhere. Before we leave just what you're doing there, do I need to be worried about having this medication if I'm going to Haiti to make sure I don't get intestinal worm situations? Um, no, this is generally for populations that are exposed um, for a long time. For a long time. I just want to make sure I don't get any of these. But if you I were to get something no, like that and come back was? to the U.S., it's very easily treatable. <laughs> I'm just going to call you anytime I don't feel good. I just was on a flight. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, you know, Haiti is on the island of Hispaniola, which is bordered with DR, and, like, that's where everyone goes for tourism, and it's such a different um part of the island, you know, because Haiti is, is not really set up for tourism, but it could have been. It's a beautiful place and all of that, but just with all the political stuff and earthquakes and cholera and all the rest, um, it has just really bit, you know, not caught a break and just kind of like constantly been beaten down. But one thing I will say is, you know, part of my work there was with the Haitian people and they are amazing. Some of my favorite colleagues that I've ever worked with and I work all over the world. So, um, that in that respect, Haiti was an amazing place to work. Um, what is the like local cuisine like in Haiti? Like what's the thing to eat? Um, the local cuisine, I guess it's like a lot of like rice and sauce and then somewhat seafood because it is an island. Right. Um, so yeah, I would often have my colleagues take us out for local food, um, local beers. Mm. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're into it. So how long had you been there when it hit? 
So this trip, I'd probably only been there a day or two. So I would go to Haiti frequently, like maybe like three times a year at least, but for short stints, like a week at a time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would stay in Port-au-Prince for meetings. And then my favorite part was when I actually got to go out into um, the more rural areas because Port-au-Prince is not a very charming um, city. Okay. Um, so going out into the rural areas where, you know, you get to like actually see the beauty of Haiti and, um, meet, you know, the local people and, um, interact on a more local level. That was what, what I did on some of the trips as well. Awesome. So, so let's set this up a bit. Okay. So if you don't remember what this earthquake is, it happened in 2010, so almost 10 years ago. It happened on January 12th. It was a 7.0 magnitude earthquake. Um, is that big, Danny? Uh, it's pretty big. It's pretty large. Yeah, that's a large magnitude earthquake. We're recording this one day after a 6.3 magnitude off the coast of Oregon. Right. So, and they uh, there was tsunami alerts like immediately after. So it, it was a 6.3, about 180 miles, and uh, nothing came. There was there was no um, you know nothing got ruined. There wasn't a tsunami, but it was interesting to see all of the apps on my phone like work mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, like right. immediately there was like a, uh, alert, like earthquake alert for this earthquake app that I have on my phone because of Kevin disaster, Kevin. disaster. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> um, he's the Nicholas Cage national treasure, <laughs> uh, person but of disasters for us. And I don't know what that meant. Anyway, <laughs> I will make it come back, and we'll also need to watch National Treasure and talk I'm, about I'm it. <laughs> um, but uh, so that happened, and then I had a FEMA thing that came up, and then like immediately the news like popped up, and mm -hmm. you know like people tweeting about it and the lo local meteorologist stuff. So it was really interesting to see modern day like how much this is like beep 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 beep. But guess what? Ten years ago, <laughs> none of that existed. <laughs> and certainly existed. not in Haiti. So there's no not. warning whatsoever. There had been no mini quakes or anything. No, and I don't even think that people really thought that a giant earthquake like that could hit Haiti. Um, it just wasn't, you know, like, of course, um, tropical storms and other things like mm -hmm. that were um, hurricanes and things, you know, were sort of known to, to be, you know, related with Haiti. But I had never heard of anyone thinking about, like, oh, the big one is coming for Haiti. I mean, I think an earthquake was pretty surprising to everyone mm -hmm. and especially the magnitude yeah know. so it's a 7.0 that is really large there were 52 aftershocks measuring at least 4.5 or greater and this was a huge tragedy so this is where this podcast stops being funny over a hundred thousand people died and the Haiti is government. one estimate. I mean, I've heard as high as like 250,000. Yeah, so the death toll estimate between 100,000 and over 300,000 by the Haiti government. So there's a lot of like controversy around did it cause it or, you know, I think in countries where there's a lot of poverty, it's hard to tell how many people were or even uh, knowing lost. what the population is. <laughs> like we can't even get our own <laughs> like <laughs> count like of census. people. Yeah, our census can't even get done. Much That's less another podcast. <laughs> much less somewhere where there's uh, you know less organized kind of hospitalization and all those things. And yeah, and even kind of on a darker note, I mean, you know, I think part of the reason was initially after the um, the initial few days, like people were sort of being buried in mass graves, and so it was hard to keep track at that point of you know the actual numbers. Yeah, that is, okay. yeah. It's, so this this giant earthquake, um, 
happens. So you're in the hotel lobby. Mm -hmm. You're with colleagues. How well do you know these people? So um, three of them, so three of us were from my organization. So it was myself, the CEO of the organization, and the VP, who was my boss. So it was like pretty senior level from our organization. And then the other folks that had joined us um, were, I was working at a faith-based organization at the time. So they were from um, like the Methodist group and another group. So I didn't know them very well. They knew my colleagues. Okay. The, yeah, we've so. talked about before, there's a lot of faith-based, like in the interview with Dan, mm-hmm. organizations do a huge amount of the um, outreach to um, support, like, these programs that, like, the Peace Corps is doing and that, you know, mm-hmm. the global health organizations and stuff like that. Um, so you guys are in the lobby waiting for other people to join you. These people never arrive? No, so we are in a group walking across the lobby okay, to go so towards the restaurant. Yeah. Eat some delicious local food and Eat drink some, some local beers. Yeah. <laughs> and actually at the time, you know, as I said, we weren't actually staying at that hotel. We had just been in meeting rooms. So I was actually turning towards the um, front desk at the time to just ask, like, were we going in the right direction to the restaurant when the earthquake hit? And what did that feel like? What was, like, the immediate feel of the earthquake? So honestly, it it really is like people say it happened so quickly. Um, you know, there was like an in, initial like I turned to you know ask the person, um, and before I could even get any words out of my mouth was when it happened. And literally, you know, I don't have like a strong memory of in that moment because literally within seconds the entire building pancaked. And this is a six-story hotel, which, as I said before, you know, I mentioned it's like one of the nicest hotels. And I say that because, so it should have been, you know, one of the ones that were like built up and not, you know, so shoddy in terms of um, construction and things like that. But it pancaked in seconds. And so after that initial, like, you know, we all hit the ground and then it's dust and darkness and all of that. My very initial thought was like that it had been a bomb. Oh, because that would make more sense. Like like you said, no one ever talks about earthquakes there. And because it's like a really like kind of the posh hotel, mm-hmm. that is, seems like a possibility. Did was there did you ever real, like when did you realize it was an earthquake? So pretty soon after, because the co- so I was the youngest out of the, the group at the time and everyone else had been um you know, all over the world, worked in um, global health and disaster relief and all of that for for many, many years. So they all immediately realized that it was an earthquake. It was really, you know, so like it happened, the dust is settling, and I feel um, it turned out to be the CEO of the organization, like grabbed my arm. And at that point, we were all just like, is everybody okay? What's, you know, what's happened? Um, And so he grabbed my arm. And so we kind of knew that we were okay. And then we started to like kind of call out to folks, um, you know, saying people's names and where are you and things. And so what ended up happening was it was myself and the CEO of the organization and then um, three others, three other males that were sort of in a little pocket and then the woman who was my boss at the time, the VP, she had been sort of on the end of us walking. And where she had landed, there was a wall that had fallen between. So it was like our little group, and then she was on the other side. But we could hear her. Oh, my gosh. And then, so uh, how big is the space? that? So there's four of you together and one person separate. Is that right? 
five of us five together. Five of you together and one, one person separate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Should we start whiteboarding this? Yes, absolutely. Okay. How big is the space that the five of you are together? How big okay. is that space? So it's pretty small, and through the course of the time, it got smaller due to the aftershocks. Whoa. But, um, so, you know, we're crouched down at this point. So I'm guessing it's something, like I would estimate it's maybe three feet high. Um, and like eight feet long or something. I don't know. That's totally a, you know, an estimate in my head now, yeah. but we were crouched the, right. the entire time. Um, when we look over to the colleagues who are on, let's see, my left to where I was, um, caught, they actually, both of their legs were pinned no. by large rubble. Okay. So they couldn't really move. And then it was myself and the CEO and one other person who um, kind of could like move around a little bit. But at that point, it's like we're on glass and rubble and a lot of sharp objects and things like that. So we're definitely in that moment, you know, then they're kind of like, okay, that was an earthquake. And we're all like, is everyone okay? And the immediate worry that then next happened was, do we have enough air? Mm. So that's kind of like where people's minds. So is it totally dark? Mm-hmm. So wow. it was complete darkness. We all did have like cell phones um, and our laptops and things. So I immediately had, you know, or one of us had pulled out a cell phone. And so that was like giving a little bit of light. But obviously there was no, you know, because then we're like, should we try to call? And there's no coverage or anything like that. So we're kind of using it for light. And then, you know, at one point it's like, okay, we should be kind of conserving that. And for me, I just kind of, in at those beginning hours, I kind of just kept hitting the button so that there was a little bit of light because... It's just the fear yeah. of being in the darkness and everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, what were you wearing? Like, you're talking about being in the glass and stuff. Like, what were you wearing? What were people generally in? And then what was the temperature kind of like for the duration? So, um, so being in Haiti in January, it was still quite warm. So, And I was at a business meeting. So I was actually wearing a sleeveless dress with like a little sweater and um, kind of like platform shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, this and was 2010. <laughs> <laughs> we won't judge you for your platforms. And um, it was a cute outfit. And it was like... Um, <laughs> She's a little mint in the box. <laughs> Do you still have it? <laughs> no, that got thrown in the trash can at a different point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like probably uh, to my knees. So my legs were definitely exposed. Now the sweater part I mentioned because that comes in handy later Okay, when I need it for certain things. Okay. We might come back to that. Yes. Okay. And then um, the gentlemen who were in there with you, business suits, like business attire, or is it more casual kind of Um, conference? I don't really remember, but I'm guessing business casual, like pants and, you know, either short sleeves or or long sleeves. And was it cool? Did it ever, did the temperature essentially stay the same the whole time? Because you're kind of tropical, like in that. Well, at that point, you know, we're kind of in enclosed in concrete. Right. So I don't remember it being like super warm or anything. I actually kind of remember it being cool. And the reason why I had said the thing about um, we were wondering if there was enough air was at some points we could feel like a tiny breeze of air that came in. So that gave us hope that like there is some air coming in and out, even if we can't see where it's coming from or feel it. Right. So how long until the aftershocks happened? Um, they 
started that first day um, for sure. Like, you know, in our minds, we also were kind of like, okay, well, this is Haiti. It's not that far from the U.S. And people know that we're here. Help is going to come really soon. Like, we, we were not really... Th- we didn't understand the magnitude of what had happened, obviously, until, right. you, you know. Yeah. yeah, so we're thinking, okay, this is a terrible situation we're in, but help is on the way. So that was kind of in our mindset at least the first day and a half. Um, you know, so we're thinking, oh, we're going to start the cavalry's coming and all of this and like, you know, people know we're here in this hotel like there's there's must be diplomats and other people here like there's going to be help if anywhere in Haiti there's going to be like immediate um foreign assistance coming here. So that was kind of like keeping us going. The aftershocks then started and were pretty pretty regular and that was definitely frightening because as I said the space started to kind of get a little bit smaller through the 55 hours because it was settling. And then also the shaking, you know, would continue to make it just a little bit smaller. So like where I was sitting after a few aftershocks, I could tell that I was crouched a little bit more than I was, you know, two hours ago or whatever. So we could definitely feel that happening. And that also confirmed that it was in fact an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Once the aftershocks were happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than the aftershocks, were you guys hearing any other noise? Like, were you hearing vehicles and like movement? So no, but we did hear another um, person who was actually um, trapped in an elevator, like, I don't know how many feet away from us. But as we were shouting for help, at some point, he also answered back. And this was another American guy. He actually subsequently wrote a book called yeah. Unshaken about his whole experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, he was also with a faith-based organization. And he, um, we could hear him, and he definitely had some sort of injury, but he was, um, he could talk. And, you know, he throughout the experience, we kind of would shout back and forth to just make sure that he was okay. Just to have like a that. human mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. Yeah. When a story got too long, that'd be me. That'd be the way they hush me up. Oh, oh we got a call for the elevator guy again. Yeah, like maybe we'll have a different story now. Um, the the person who was on the other side of the wall, how well could you like could you hear each other? Like, did that also feel very separate for her? Uh, we could hear her very well. Oh, nice. um, and so she, you know, it was just that she was. We couldn't see her. She was okay. separated from us. But she, it ended up being very important that she was actually separated from us because she later in the story is the one that made initial first contact with um, the rescuers because she had a little bit more room to move around. Surprise, whereas we, everybody. And get to rescue. <laughs> whereas <laughs> we were like in this space that we couldn't, there was nowhere to go. Uh-huh. So she was able to be like, there's four other people or five other people on the other side of us. Sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the two people that were pinned, did mm-hmm. they require first aid? They would have if we had any. Um, they were in quite a lot of pain distress. and, yeah, in distress. And so, and they couldn't move and we couldn't really see too much of what was going on, but we knew it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the course of the hours there, one of them in particular um, really started to lose it uh-huh. um, in terms of his mental capacity and, you know, all of that. So that was definitely hard to watch um, because we were kind of, we could see that we were kind of losing him. Mm-hmm. And in fact, after the whole experience, there were two people in the group, both of those who had been pinned, who did not make it. <gasps> Whoa. Mm-hmm. 
That's, I, I mean, I That's imagine horrible. him going through shock and all of that stuff and also just the entire situation and you're pinned. Like, mm-hmm. um, and he was quite a large guy. He was probably 300 pounds or something like that. So he definitely was having a lot of other distress. And actually, you know, during the, the rescue part of this, um, he was the last one to to sort of, you know, be attended to by the... Um, the rescuers, and he actually went into cardiac arrest and didn't make it out of the space. Whereas the other gentleman, he um, was able to be pulled out, and then he was airlifted to a hospital in Miami and then subsequently passed there. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, So it's (laughs) like a minute. (sighs) But, like, during all of this, you know, I mean, so it sounds like we're probably, like, in a panic the entire time, but, you know, it's ours so we are talking, we're laughing, we're telling stories. I mean, you got to pass the time somehow. We're telling stories about like our families. I mean, everyone there except for me had kids. Oh my gosh. So they, you know, and families. So they yeah. were all like sort of talking about their families. And then we were all talking about like places we'd traveled and um, sometimes singing, sometimes praying, sometimes just, you know, crying. So there was like the whole gamut. Of and feelings you, and yeah. all of that going on. That, um, one thing, you were on your way to dinner. Mm-hmm. Did you have food? Was there any snacks? What, what happened? I mean. So there was n- nothing really. So we didn't have any water. We had, um, the, the, the CEO had in his briefcase, I think it was two blow pops that he carried with him like for his kids. And they happened to be in there. And so at one point, I think we all shared those. And then he also had um, kind of an issue with um, arthritis in his hand. So he had a bottle of Aleve and we were doling that out to the two that were injured, which if you can imagine like that type of injury and we're like, here's one Aleve (laughs) for, you know, the next hour. (laughs) hour. Yeah. So, but that was all we had. Uh Okay. So So, carry those protein bars. Always have, always, always have a snack. Always have a snack. Always have some water. I think mom, that's like mom code that's now. Mom 101. <laughs> always and five snack. changes of clothes. Okay. Um, so what were your favorite, like when you say you were singing songs and stuff, do you have any songs that you particularly remember? Oh gosh, no. Really? No. Good. It wasn't like 80s pop hits or was it like church songs? I'm guessing remember? it wasn't 80s pop hits given the crowd that I was with. <laughs> On Abba, I'm guessing it was probably more mm-hmm. like uh, church, churchy. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm. I would have gotten down. I was raised Southern Baptist. I would have been like, I know that hymn. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> Let's do it, guys. Okay, so it's like so hour one, two, three, four, five. Like how many hours till the? You said so the initial. What happened with the sweat? Does the sweater come before or after the rescuers get there? Oh, way before. Wait, so, okay. I mean, everyone always asks the question of also, like, how did you go to the How'd bathroom? You go? Oh, like, see, I was trying to avoid oh, it. You know, question, was the first all thing All of I this kind of. of stuff. Because Okay, so then, you know, I'm in that group with all men. You're like, it's my boss's boss. And... I don't need to pee. Yeah. <laughs> I've never peed. I've never peed or pooped ever. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> the... The other thing that, like, if we're really getting into the, getting the details into of how this goes is um, it, it, th- there wasn't a leave bottle. And so 
you know, at some point, some of the gentlemen um, peed a little bit into that Aleve bottle to potentially be able to drink it later. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're there, if, if you have to choose between dying or drinking pee, I'd probably drink the pee. Okay, here's a weird question. I don't know why I'm asking it. Would you rather drink it out of a bottle or, like, straight from the source? Whoa, out of a bottle. <laughs> bottle. I'm a human I, being. I declined. I was like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Like, I'm still breathing. I'm just, you know, like, I couldn't go there. I mean, I can't, you can't drink your boss's pee, can you? I mean, you could have. I mean, what is the HR, like, report on that? What is, <laughs> he saved your life, but it was with his urine. Yeah. So, the sw- okay, back, to the back to the sweater. So. Back to the sweater. So, you know, at some point in time, I have to pee. And so what I did was I took the sweater off and I kind of, like, peed into it. Uh-huh. Because for so a girl, like I'm, a cro- you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm not crouching like popping a squat I'm like crap you know so it's a I'm in a weird position so I pee on the sweater and then I kind of throw the sweater Uh (laughs) a little a little bit to the side but it's dark nobody knows Uh, no I mean they they knew um, (laughs) if I'm peeing right next to you I think you're gonna smell it and so then I I throw it to the side so that it's like not right in the middle of it and it was like kind of the pee sweater Did anyone else use the pee sweater? Only no. you used the I pee sweater. I think they were had it an easier time. Because uh-huh. they had that bottle of pee that mm-hmm. they could drink or refill or whatever. And is that why you never wear sweaters now? <laughs> <laughs> she always has one. She's like, you can pee in it. It'll keep you warm. Multi-use <laughs> kit full of sweaters. It's just all sweaters. Hey, if you got two Tootsie Pops, a sweater, and oh some leave, you can survive you really anything, can. it mm-hmm. sounds like. Oh, my gosh. So, and then at that point, it's not like you're hungry. I mean, you're just, you know, you're kind of in survival mode, so it's not, yeah. you know. I mean, yes, we were thirsty and hungry, but that wasn't the top of the list. It was just oh my gosh. staying alive. So you mentioned the injured gentleman went into shock. Was there a time where um, anyone else in the group started feeling kind of just, like, claustrophobic? Like, just having kind of, like, emotional upheaval? I think at different points we all had our little, like, you know, breakdowns, particularly when someone would talk about their family or say, like, you know, please tell my wife, da 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 da. And it was like, no, you you are going to be able to tell her that, you know, and, and things like that. And I honestly kept thinking about my parents and just like, okay, now it's been a day and they haven't heard from us. What are they thinking has happened? And, you know, of course, we don't know the extent of like, this is broadcast all over the world at this point. Um, and, you know, subsequently later, like, I find out that, like, my parents just watched CNN for three days straight and couldn't, you know, and all the images that are coming through and all they know is that their kid is there somewhere. Um, and, you know, at that point, like, we had a whole, um, between my cousins and, and all of our family had a whole, like, sort of information system going on um, where we were, you know, where they were ch- using um, Facebook and different things to kind of, you know, gauge where people were and, you know, just all the information, like in touch with um, a friend that I had that worked at the State Department. So just all avenues to get any information whatsoever they were trying. Because at that point, and then we were worried because it was like, well, we're not actually at the hotel that we were staying at. Oh, yeah. So like, so they're not looking for you where you are. Well, and that was the thing we were like, so some of our colleagues know that we're here, but like, where are they? You know, th- we, they're somewhere in Port-au-Prince, too. So the the thought of just, like, my family not knowing what was going on, for me, was really, that was That's hard. Mm-hmm. And, and we've talked about before, like, with the um, 
in Hawaii where the false alarm happened mm-hmm. with the bomb coming in or mm-hmm. whatever. The nuclear missile. The nuclear missile, false false alarm. Um, the power of Twitter now, like mm-hmm. where there's such instant, like, like there are many people who know like immediately about disasters and stuff because it's such like a vibrant um, system as mm-hmm. opposed to where it was at a decade ago. Uh, so it's interesting to hear though that even then there was already that like we're using every single piece of information we have and everything to connect together our family and kind of like create this force from thousands of miles away mm-hmm. to find out as much as they can of where you are and what you're doing. Did they find out um, uh, anywhere before the rescue time that you had been at a different hotel? Like, was there enough information that they had started piecing together where you might be? Yeah, so at some point my... Haitian colleagues who had um, left the meeting but and knew that we were having dinner but didn't um, stay to join us, they, he was okay. And so he had kind of like transmitted back to the home office when he was able to, that this is where they are. And he was coming back to the site of the hotel every day, um, trying to to understand what was happening. But at that point, like everything had been cordoned off and sectioned off. So he couldn't really get anywhere near it, but he, you know, he knew that we were there. So he was like transmitting a bit of information to the home office and then the home office was transmitting it to our families. So at some point they did know, and there was a Facebook page set up that was for the hotel Montana specifically. And so it was like anyone connected to the hotel Montana, they were posting there. So they had a little bit of insight, but you know, it wasn't totally confirmed absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and probably no one wants to take responsibility for being like well it's a pancake now mm-hmm. it used to be six stories so mm-hmm. i'm sure it was always just like there are people working on it and this is and i'm sure know. looking at it from the outside if you see like aerial um, views of what it looked like in the the weeks following y- you wouldn't think that anyone could survive it so I, when you said that it pink well also you're in a three foot tall So one of the things that helped, you know, I said that, you know, I had turned around to ask about the front desk. So this front desk was this massive, wooden, heavy thing. And that is actually what helped hold Mm -hmm. up. um, So the the front desk saved you guys. To some extent, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of us is just like rebar and concrete and shards of glass and you know the service that. industry saving people again with yeah. their <laughs> with their tall <laughs> um okay so let's start talking about how does the rest how do you even get a start the glimpse of there might be someone coming mm-hmm. yeah so at some point, I don't remember if it was like later that night or early the next morning, we did start to hear helicopters. And so we were kind of like, oh my gosh, there's something, there's somebody, they know we're here. And at some point we we actually heard someone else and we made contact and said like, this is who we are and this is what's going on. And I don't know who they were, if it was like a rescuer or what, what that person was doing. But so we made contact with them and then they left. And so we were like, okay... Now here's something that's going to so happen. So they didn't even tell you enough information to be like, and they never I came back. So and so, and they never came back. Yeah. So like, hold on, but did they tell wait, anyone? Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, it, it is unclear, like what that was, and if they were just like trying to, you know, figure out Survey. if there were any people there or or what it was, um, or there was a looter. <laughs> I we honestly don't know what that was about. 
Um, so you hear someone, you get all excited, and then mm-hmm. don't hear anything for how long after that? So then it was hours. So that was like the second day. So then, then the hours are continuing, con- continuing to pass, and then I feel like in that second day is when we started to lose a, a bit of hope because we're like, this has been a long time now. Mm-hmm. Um, where is the cavalry? Where is you know anybody who's we hear helicopters, but we're not hearing any thing like movement around us really. Um, so we start, you know, this is like, God, I don't know, hour 40, you know, something like that. Um, where we're just like, we might not make it out of here. And so what I actually did, and this is like weird to think about now that I did this, but, um, so I had uh, my work bag with me and the previous day we had gone to like the U S embassy. So I happened to have my passport with me, um, which I normally don't carry it with me when I'm like, traveling, you know, out, um, just out and about, but I had it with me. And what I did was I actually took it out and tucked it into my bra so that, oh, so that if, they, if somebody found they us, they would be able to know I, who we are. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But that's the, now that's the point we're getting to of like, singing kind of is over. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're, we're you're, like, get, you know, the, the two guys are getting worse. Um, we are just like, what is going on? Is anyone sleeping? Oh gosh. It was kind of like we would nod off here and there. But like I said, we're sitting on rubble and especially cause I was like in a dress. I had taken like a notebook or something that I had in that work bag and was kind of like trying to sit on it. But I was literally having to shift my position like every few minutes Yeah, because it was so just uncomfortable. so uncomfortable. Yeah. So at this point also, um, the colleague who's on the other side of the wall, she had, she felt like she was injured a little bit, but she still was okay. And this woman is like in her sixties. So she was able to then start, she found herself a stick or something and she was able to kind of start poking around and moving around. So she kind of then starts because she knows that none of us can. So she kind of starts that, um, moving around a little bit. And, you know, I don't think she had any light, which was the problem on her end. So we were like, be careful because we didn't want her to like fall off of something or, you know, so she was like using the stick to see, to see with basically mm-hmm. to see like what was in front of her and, you know, kind of poke around. So that starts to be then, you know, we're into like now towards the, the 50 hour mark and things. And so this is now we're getting to hope here because she at some point then hears something and sees a light and she then calls out, um, you know, is somebody there? And um, do you need help? And then the person, you know, is like kind of like talking back to her. Um, and they said, no, we're here to help you. Oh. And we all like heard that. Oh. And it was like relief yeah. because then we were like, that is actually somebody that's... Like, that's a human being mm-hmm. who's coming for it. They know we're in trouble and they're coming yeah. for us. So then that point started the rescue process. So they start communicating with her, and she's telling them, like, I'm in this group, here's the stats on, like, who's here and, and what's, you know, going on. What language is being spoken? So this is all in English. Okay. These are French firefighters, but they're speaking in English to her. So um, then they start the process of, like, okay, sit tight, be, they have to like figure out a plan now to get to where we are. So um, they make contact with her first and they were able to 
um, pull her out. And if you see some of the pictures from um, th- that time, you can see her actually being pulled out on a stretcher. Um, and so that happens. And then they need to figure out a way to get to us because they need to actually tunnel into where we are. So this also is taking like more hours, but at least we know mm-hmm. that like something, somebody and is coming for us. having more... Like oh, they have, have to, you know, it's such collapse. a whole process to do it. But these are professionals that have, um, they're a special brigade that um, specializes in disasters all over the world. So, like, they get called in and they come from France or wherever they are specifically to do this type of rescue work. So, so they, they knew what deployed. they were doing. Yeah. So the earthquake happened, they're wherever they are in the world, mm-hmm. either at home or doing some other disaster, mm-hmm. and they are deployed directly to there. Do you know how big the brigade is? Like, how many? Um, no. One one distinct thing that I remember about, like, the guy who who eventually ended up coming into the space that we were in um, was he, he was a tiny French guy. And oh. it was actually, be, you know, because of his size, he's often able to get into spaces um, where others can. Is oh, that's this incredible. the same brigade that saved the soccer team? That was. Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure there's more than one. Ooh. I Good that question. Was a French I think that was also a French firefighter team. But, yeah. When you say that, so they're tunneling in, they're tunneling in through the wall that was separating you from the other lady or from a different point? It seems like it was a different point. I'm, at this point, you know, I Who have knows? no idea um, because... <laughs> Afterwards, looking at the building, I was like, uh, you couldn't even make heads or tails of like how they were able to to find us. But so so they start tunneling in and at some point, like they break through and we can see them. So the first thing they do is like throw some bottles of water in (laughs) and they're like easy, but drink, (laughs) you know. Um, So we start passing that around. And you pass them your pea sweater. You're like, you can use that if you need it. I don't do you have wine? <laughs> this is a good local beer. <laughs> I've heard about this local beer. Can you get that in here? So, so they start, you know, tunneling in, and then they're going to start to extract people. So the guy that's sitting closest to where um, they are, he was the first to, to go out. And so Did they you can- do anything before, like, we made it? Like, was there any sort of, like, in the movies when they're like, we made it, you guys? On the like hugs? Like hugs that are just reaching out and touching each other because you're like, no, really. I think the moment for me was when we heard him say, "No, we're here to help you." Uh I think for us that was like the (sighs) sigh of like, okay, this might be over at this point. I mean, it was nowhere near being over. Did you cheer? Was it like when people clap when the plane lands? (laughs) There was no clapping. These movies are full of crap. <laughs> they really are. I feel like I've been <laughs> lied to. I feel like I've been lied to. They don't talk about the peace sweater in the movies. <laughs> They're going to now. When we, we do more peace sweaters. Prep, prep yourself the movie. <laughs> yeah, can you play me in that movie? <laughs> oh my gosh, please. If you could please play Lex. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, so, the so, so they start like pulling, so he you know, pulls the first so, person so, so he's like, so what they do is they have him kind of like, um, lay on a stretcher so they can like pull him out that way. So that's fine. Then it was going to be my turn. So I go to do this and this is where being a woman really gets in the way because it's a, it's an extremely small space that they're pulling us out of. So, um, like, I, have I, I don't even know how tall it is, but so I'm, I'm going through and then it gets to my boobs. Oh, no. 
and I couldn't trapped by your boobs. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So not. I mean. So then it was like not safe to like try to like uh-huh. squeeze through. So then he was like, "So you're gonna have to go back, and we're gonna have to open up the space by like another." Whatever it was, half inch or something like that, and I was like, "No!" <laughs> You're like, "Just pull it!" You're like, "Just pull my arms!" Just pull my arms! So then I do end up going back, and then the other the, the CEO at the time, like he was able to be pulled out. So nice. then at this point, the um, the firefighter comes into the what I'll call the hole, I guess, um, comes into the hole, and he starts attending to the other two gentlemen, and they give me this. Um, you know those foil blankets? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So they give me one of those because then they start using a welding tool and there's like sparks flying everywhere to try to get the space a little bit bigger. And so then at the time, um, the the guy who came into the space was a French speaker and he was trying to communicate with the two that were somewhat delirious and only English speakers. And so then I was doing a little bit of translating no. for How them. Lo- <laughs> what are the chances that a French, like... An English speaker would have to your boobs stop you from getting out of the hole because they God didn't even boobs. know that they were going to need your <laughs> lingual help. First of all, I I way to go on being bilingual. And that really like, helped at that moment. Be I mean, prepared. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you are a very intelligent person and are doing like important work in this whole story. You're like traveling the world and you're like. Studying, you know, saving people, like saving people, all those things. But the fact that your womanhood and your giant brain are like the crux of the story. I thought you were going to say giant boobs, but yes, brain also. (laughs) (laughs) Be kind to yourself. I'm here on the itty bitty. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean president? I am the president, executive CEO. Chairman of the board. Chairwoman of the board. So you're you're translating for them, Mm -hmm. and plus at this point you have a relationship with them. Oh my gosh. Um, Is how is the assessment kind of like going, you know, or that part of things with the communication between them? So he's he's doing what he can, but there's not much that he can do because of course these giant boulders or pieces of rubble, um, you know, the big problem with that is like once you remove something like that, there's the whole um, crushed limbs. Yes, yeah. the the crush injury part. So so there's not much that he can do, but he's like, I think he's administering an IV at this point and like doing some things um, as much as he can there while this like welding is going on and stuff. So then that part gets finished and then he's like, okay, let's try again. So then I get on the stretcher and um, in my mind, like I was like going to be pulled out and like two feet later I was going to be outside. You know that, like uh, that's what I that's had exactly what I was thinking. Pictured, too. like there's just one. Like you're like level. yeah, you're through the but hole. Like, that's right not outside. the thing. No, so okay. like then they pull me out, and I do like it's not really a tunnel, but I'm like going over this like rubble, and they're walking me out for like what felt like a very long time, and then I get to the outside. And then they kind of like put me down and they're like doing a, a once on all over check of me. And then there's a, a line um, set up and then there's press uh, on one side. Uh, and I was and which you can tell from pictures later that like people were, you know, taking pictures and stuff. But I was like, then it's like you're in a different world because yeah. you're like, what is going on? So, you know, they kind of assess me and everything. And they're like, you seem fine. Um, go over to what they had set up as like a triage area was like near the pool. And so they were like, somebody will um, help you over there. And that's where your friends are. So um, I make it over there 
And then the woman from, she must have been from the State Department or USAID or something. Um, she was like, I have a satellite phone. Is there somebody that you want to call? And I was like, yes. But folks, this is where it also becomes important that you have someone's number memorized. Yes. Because... Leave, um, <laughs> leave. Memorize my number because that's the you know. And I had you know my sister's home phone number that she's had for like whatever twenty years memorized, and um, I called her, and it was so interesting because like after the fact, I found out you know because they had this like um, center set up at their house where it was like everyone was on the phones and you know it was constantly um, going on. I had called this cordless phone and we spoke for maybe like thirty seconds. I was like, I'm okay, um, they've just pulled us out. Like they're taking us to the embassy. I'm fine. We'll, we'll talk soon. And then she said like, as soon as, um, that call hung up, like that phone died because they had been on, you know, like constantly on it the whole day or whatever. So it was like, you know, these, these little things that happened that it's like, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. So then what they do was they load us up and they're going to take us to the embassy. So we start driving through, Port-au-Prince, and this is when we can see what has happened. Like a devastating. So, tragedy. did you talk to press there? Like, um, that's so strange to yes. me that they're like. We talked to Diane Sawyer. No, like right there the, at the, the next hotel. morning. Oh, the she next was morning. at the so embassy. Compared mm-hmm. to her, how are we interviewing? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are fantastic. Thank You're you. much you so more much. Um, funny. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, Diane Sawyer, not funny. I just assumed she was hilarious on the side. She's no, like, that's Baba Watson. She's like, I'll be serious during, but I got some knock knock jokes for you. So after. she's just like standing there. No, so this was like the next day, okay, and they asked okay. like if they could um, interview us and stuff, and I actually had said. Um, that I didn't want to be interviewed because I, you know, and this is kind of like vain of me, but, you know, I looked like I had just been in an earthquake. 55 hours. Um, you know, so so we actually, so, you know, we're driving through the, the town and we see the devastation and we do see bodies on the ground and stuff. And so we get to the embassy and we go in and they have this whole center set up for like with cots and everything. And we are the first people that have been rescued so like we're the first ones the first u.s citizens that Mm -hmm. had been rescued at all that's out of like a that situation so when we got there there was people lined up with their suitcases that were being evacuated Uh so they you know they were like waiting to to be pulled out and actually this is where like it was so nice of people they pulled stuff out of their suitcases to give us Uh to wear because of course what i have on this crusty little cute, dress at this point is covered in um, rubble and Dust. sand and dirt and Maybe a you know pee. a little pee probably little my hair also like I couldn't even run my fingers through my hair because it's like covered in concrete yeah. dust at this point um so they, so, you know, they give us some clothes, we go in, they give us those MREs, yeah. um, you know, which are terrible, but at the time, you know, <laughs> delicious. I, I think they're delicious. <laughs> and I we, mean, we the, just the pound like, cake's a little weird, but, you know. They you say, you like, can. you'll, you, you know, we'll fly you out in the morning. So we kind of, like, spend the night there, but it's very eerie and very just weird because we're the only ones in there and we're, like, coughing and I, I don't know. I was just like, oh, and my gosh, just just, spent let's just get out of here. And then we don't know what's happened with our other two friends because at this point it was just, like, that initial group and then the two that were injured, we don't know what's happened to them at this point. So then the morning comes, and this is when they, like, ask us, like, 
Diane Sawyer's here. Do you want to talk to her? And I was like, no, thanks. But, you know, so our, the other people in the group talked and I kind of like watched the interview, which is weird because then my friend who was like a huge GMA fan or whatever show she's on the next day, like yeah. saw that and was like, oh my gosh, I think Anne was with them or whatever, you know? So like now people are starting to connect the dots of, okay, we think Anne has been rescued. And like my family had obviously put out the the call that um, they knew where I was and stuff like that. So then they take us to the airport and there's a military plane that we get on um, with those like net seats and mm-hmm. stuff. So this is put, the movie part. Yeah, this is the part that is true in the movie. <laughs> well, and the weird and thing you get is leather jackets and aviator glasses. <laughs> yeah. And Tom Cruise comes out and it's so amazing. <laughs> with a volleyball and he's like up for a game and, and you're like, not right now. Fine. <laughs> And luckily we had our passports Yes, because they were like, you know, needing to identify who we were and stuff. So we get on these military planes and they were flying us to um, Florida. And then there was like some kind of a weird landing because then, I don't know, there was smoke coming out of the plane. And so then we were like, really, is this now there's another disaster happening? And there were um, fire trucks that went pulled up. And I was like, a plane crash (laughs) after you had just, I mean, this is like final destination right here. I was just getting off this (laughs) So anyways, it, it, it was fine. We unload, we get onto buses, and then we go to the actual airport. And weirdly enough... Our same flights that we were going to be on anyways no. to go home were the ones that we <laughs> took because we still had those reservations. <laughs> Holy. That's great. You didn't have to pay any ticket fees. <laughs> I am. Um, so, so we get on these what? planes. And or we, they weren't like, um, sorry, you didn't start at your original yeah. destination, so we're not going to be able to put you on the connection. But Well, actually, I have a little bone to pick with American Airlines, and this is why I've never flown them again, because we were on American Airlines. And at the time, like it was just me and I think the, the one other colleague, the woman, um, and she was in a bad state at that point. And so I had gone up to the desk, and I was like, you know, I'm happy to stay where I am, but like, We've literally just come from the earthquake. I think you can see that. Um, is there any way that you can like put my um, boss up in you know in a more comfortable seat? And they were like, no. <laughs> and I was like, but you see, but 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 Dad, <laughs> you're not even asking for yourself. No, you're saying this lady. I was just like, had she's definitely having trouble walking. <laughs> like. So, you know, and then the funny thing was, like, much later than American Airlines was, like, touting how, like, how much they were helping with the, oh, good. you know, relief you efforts like, and oh, stuff. Oh, no, that's when you went You're on like, hey, Good Morning America Diane Sawyer. <laughs> You're like, hey, I, I need to talk to you about a legit story <laughs> right here. Oh, my God. In any case, we get to BWI at the time I was living in Baltimore, um, and we come off the plane. No, before that. So, oh, <laughs> this was an interesting thing. So, in the Miami airport, we're sitting waiting for that flight to, to BWI. And me, we're just in a daze at uh-huh. this point. So it's like me and um, and the my woman, the woman, uh, my boss are sitting next to each other. And we've got now we're watching CNN, and so we're really seeing, yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is like all over the world. Like this is crazy, and we're watching it. And then we see the image of her being <gasps> rescued. No. And I turned to her, and her name is Sarla, and I said, Sarla, that's you. Uh- and she looked at it, and she, we both were just like, WTF, like, what, what I am watching is going myself on the news and this And that's, like, also when it struck, like, <laughs> this is something bigger than we ever had imagined 
of what had happened because we're just seeing, you know, at that point, it's like on a constant 24 hour loop. Yeah. This is the only story. Yes. Like, um, it's the biggest, you know, story that's, that's happening. And so. See, that's why you're different from us. If we had been in that, we'd be like, everybody's <laughs> must be talking <laughs> about this. Mm-hmm. I've been in a small space for <laughs> three days almost. Well, it was just the magnitude of the earthquake that like had never, you know, been I, seen in so many years. And yeah. so, and the devastation. And at that point, like they didn't know how many people had died. And it was just, you know, this island nation has been hit and, you know, the capital city. And you saw like images of the presidential palace being like totally demolished. And it like the images were really yes so like we saw that and then we looked at each other and we were like just get us home and so then we get to Baltimore and we get off the plane and that's where like our families are and our colleagues and everyone's like hey so you're from Kansas though right Mm -hmm. Wichita Mm -hmm. and so did your family fly to Baltimore no so at that point like I had some cousins that um that I was very close to there and I was dating someone at the time so they were right there and so at that point I was just like just take me home. I just want to sleep in my own bed because even my cousins were like, just come to our house. Like, and I was like, take care of you. You're like, no, I really just want to be in my own bed. And so I go home and then the next day is when we actually found out about the other colleagues who had not made it. Mm -hmm. And then it was like the media whirlwind. And like I, I was there for a couple of days and then I flew home to Kansas and then getting off the airplane there, it was also the same um, hoopla of like local girl like, <laughs> <laughs> Asian earthquake or whatever um, and my parents were there and all of that and so yeah then just started really a year of um, a whirlwind of just you know all of the media around this and then our work that continued in Haiti and so three months after the earthquake I had gone back oh my um, gosh and it was still just like you know the whole city was a mess and piles of rubble and stuff but we were very adamant that like the work had to continue and, and all like, that. They're immunized people. Like after you, this country tried to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like literally the island tried to like stop you from your mission. And you're like, I don't think so. And you're like showing up with your like, I'm just imagining some kind of gun. Yeah, we made that earthquake our bitch. Like, I mean, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, we'll get even more donations oh. <laughs> to like yeah. help us perpetuate Healthy on this island. Yeah. So that was that that was what happened. Amazing. So I want to the French firefighters. First of all, um, we we how sexy are these firefighters compared (laughs) to? I know that was your first lie as you were coming out. Like who's good looking? Well, they were kind of little. You know, (laughs) it's French movie. It's French. Yeah, they're leg sized. They're leg sized. <laughs> the French firefighters were amazing. I have to say, they risk their lives not only for us, but every day doing that job, as all fighter fi- firefighters do. But you know, these guys specifically like go into these um, crazy disasters and just go all over the world. And you know, are the way that even the guy when he came into the little hole, like immediately just started assessing everything. You know, I felt like he was like a little computer, like, like, you know, just figuring out like in his head, all of the things that needed to happen and, um, what he needed to communicate to his colleagues and all of that. Like it was a well-oiled machine, obviously, as it needs to be. Um, so those Frenchmen are, (laughs) so those guys (laughs) are amazing. Um, and as I told you guys, they're probably going to do something to commemorate the 10 year anniversary of this earthquake. Um, in January in France. So you get to go to France. I'm hoping that I will go and be able to, in person, tell them thank you. I did write them a letter um, to just say, 
hey, thanks for that. <laughs> um, thanks for getting me out of there. And, and the CEO, sweater was cool. <laughs> the CEO of the organization also went at some point um, and met them in person. Um, but it would be great to actually meet the people that actually rescued us and just tell them thank you. Yeah. Are you going to take them some uh, Tootsie Pops and be like, this is for your, <laughs> in case you this is for your emergency kit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just have these. So did this experience change any of your behavior when you travel? Ooh, good question. Great question. Thank you. So a lot of people afterwards, um, you know, kind of asked me like, well, are you going to travel less now? Or like, you know, we're so surprised when I said I was going back to Haiti and, you know, things like that. Your mom was like, uh, no. <laughs> She's like, I don't care what you've been trying to save the world about. You know, but I always kept the mindset of like, it can really happen anywhere. And I think you just have to you know, be cautious about where you go. And like, I mean, not only an earthquake, but like a carjacking or a whatever, you know, like these, and especially here, you know, now, like with all of, you know, mass shootings, like all. Yeah, don't go to school. Yeah. I mean, so like, I just don't think you can live, you know, in fear of doing those, those things. And like, to me, you know, I mean, my work is not just a job for me. It's like really part of who I am. And, um, I could never just not do that. So, and, you know, my work takes me to a lot of places around the world that are, um, not, uh, you know, completely safe or, you know, have infrastructure and things like that, but that's just part of sort of my drive to, to continue doing this work. So it really hasn't, um, changed anything, you know, I have done, so I work at the Gates foundation and they do have, um, like training for these kinds of things. So when we were going through the training and they do like this, um, like, you know, if you're in a car accident or if you're, you know, here's like the quick medical things you can do. And I asked the guy at that point in time, I was like, so what would you do for a crush injury? (laughs) You know, and you know, there's like, maybe now I'll know. There's not, you know, a ton you can can do do. for those types of things. I think you can be prepared um, and you should be prepared, you know? And so for a while I was like, you know, maybe carrying a little extra stuff, but I'm like, I might not even had my bag with me mm-hmm. in that moment or, you know, like, so like, I think you just have to sort of try to keep your wits about you. And people are like, I could have never survived that. And I'm like, you don't know what you can do. Yeah. Um, your mind just goes to a different place and you are in survival mode. And that's all you're thinking about. And you're not even thinking in that moment of like, I need to survive. You're just like living every minute by minute, you know, and like wh- dealing with whatever's happening. So for me, it didn't particularly change um, too much. I always knew that I was going to continue to travel and continue um, to do these things, and I think you just have to be cautious. What about at home? You're a new homeowner. You starting stocking water. One How gallon. much water? How much water do you have in your house right <laughs> One now? One gallon per day per person for two weeks. How much you got? Um, <laughs> I actually only just have um, the kit that I was given as part of my. Um, from the Gates Foundation, so I have one in oh, my. Oh, they co- give you a kit? It's just like a yeah, it's like a little kit. So I have one in my car and one at home, but I don't have anything beyond that. That's really cool that they give those out. To the, is it to all of their employees or because I'm pretty you're sure I think everyone has one at their desk too. Oh, what yeah. way to go, Gates Foundation? Mm-hmm. I'm liking that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and then you have a pup too. I mean, do you have like extra food? Do you have like can't like what do you got? For this? No. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. No. Okay. Well, we will gift you an emergency pet bag for Gypsy, the dog. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe another bottle of wine or something. <laughs> a bottle of wine, maybe just like a three-gallon thing of water. Some local beers. <laughs> Some local beers. Oh, Thank you well, so I mean, much. That is such a, um incredible story and, like, survival, you know, just, like, the part of your story about the, the like, talking and singing and laughing in that initial part that, like, earlier we were like, the movers have been lying. But I do think that they leave that, mm-hmm. the humanness of, like, just being in a space all of a sudden where you're like, I don't, we don't know how bad our situation yeah. is. And we're just going to, like. PMA. You can always be prepared with your PMA. Positive mental attitude. Always. You know, and I think we're, I always felt super lucky that, like, I was airlifted out. And it just kept going back to the thought of, like, all our Haitian colleagues and, like, you know, like, people that were left there with nothing. And, of course, we were trying to do for them. But, like, then you just think how lucky you are to have the support systems that you have and things like that. So, I mean, you know, thanks, you guys, for, you know, doing the interview and for putting this story out there. But really, it's to, you know, tell people if something like this were to happen, you can survive. Um, You know, it's not a hopeless situation. Um, You will find a way to survive. You did. Slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. 55 <laughs> hours later. <laughs> 55 hours later, slowly but surely. <laughs> Keep, Keep surviving. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Yeah, yeah you're thank welcome. You. Thank you. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. People don't talk that way anymore. Beautiful. Huh. No idea what you said.